There is, there is someone here who has a relationship with somebody. And it is, this is a warning, it's a poisonous relationship. It's a toxic relationship. And you think that it's innocent, but the Father says it's not innocent. It's, it's, like, it's like a chain being connected to you. It's, 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 causing, it, it, it's to take you down. And I don't, I don't know who it is, but as we are worshiping, and Charity was singing, break every chain, break every chain, I just, I saw like a chain being connected to someone. And, and the Father said, someone here is in a relationship. I don't know if it's just a friend or, or what kind of a relationship it is, but it's a relationship. And the Father says, end it, end it. It's, it's, it's to your end. You need to end it. The Father does not want his kids wrapped up in chains. He came to set you free, free from it, free from sin. So don't take that as a condemnation word. Take it as a warning from a father who loves his kids and wants to see them set free, living the life that he designed for them. Amen? Amen. Thank you, praise and worship team. Can you stay with me, Jordan? Thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness towards us. Thank you for your heart for us. It's how you lead and you guide us. You take care of us. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. For your ministering angels. Father, we just open our hearts to receive what you have to say this morning. That you're healing wounds this morning, Father. That things that have caused us to become bitter, things that have caused us to become weak, things that have caused us to stay stuck in our life, Father, that you are revealing those wounds in our hearts and you're healing them this morning. I declare it. I declare it. That wounded hearts healed this morning by your presence, by your spirit. Father, as I ask, as I bring the word that you would anoint my lips, Father. for your grace. And your will be done this morning. Thank you, Father. I, I'm going to talk this morning about, I just, I believe that there are some people that are going through some, some circumstances, some hard times. Or there are some that have an uneasy feeling 
an uneasy feeling like the ball's about to drop. I don't know if that's all of you, but I, I just, I picked it up in my spirit that, that some people are feeling or going through some hard times, some circumstances. And I wanted to, to proclaim something to you this morning to change our perspective while we're going through it or while we come out the other side. I'm declaring this over you. So I want to start in Isaiah 59, 19. We've got a lot of scripture verses today. Isaiah 59, 19 says this, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. The spirit of the Lord, when the enemy comes in, the spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. That word standard, I looked it up in the Strong's, it is a legal term and it is a military term. Legally, it is used for declaring judgment. Military-wise, uh, it is used as a flag that served as a rallying point for military uh, or to lead a charge. It means something that is lifted up, a signal, a banner, a sign. It is used as a sign of military authority, leadership, and rule. I have written here, neither of these is a very good sign for the devil. If it is the legal term, the verse is promising God will pass judgment upon the enemy. If it is a military term, the verse promises God will lead militant action against the devil. What happens when God leads militant act action? He wins. It's not, it's not something lightly. It's not he's going to go to war and maybe he'll win. Maybe he'll conquer. No, he wins because he's God. God always wins. God is strong. God is mighty. And so when the enemy comes in, when the enemy comes into your life, the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. No, you won't. No, you won't touch my kids. The Bible says when God lifts up his banner, you will see it. In Isaiah 18.3, it says, All you inhabitants of the world, you who dwell on the earth, when a banner is raised on the mountain, you will see it. When the trumpet is blown, oh, you will hear it. He says, when I raise up my banner over you, you will see it. They will see it. They will know. In Isaiah 49, 22, it says, this is what the Lord God says. Listen carefully. I will lift up my hand to the Gentile nations and I will set up my banner to the people. And they will bring your sons into the fold of their garments and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. Exodus 17. You have the Amicalites, they are coming after Israel. So Moses speaks with God, finds out what it is that he is to do, and God instructs him to go talk to Joshua. So Moses goes and talks to Joshua, and this is what he says. Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amicalites. Tomorrow I will stand on the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amicalites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands, the Israelites were winning. 
But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amicalites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amicalite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure Joshua hears it. I love that. Make sure Joshua hears it. Why? Because Joshua is going to eventually take over for you and he is going to lead and he needs to remember and he needs to know that I am God. That I am your banner. Then he says, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek Amalek, from under heaven. Then in verse 15, it says, Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Moses said, that yes, I, I, was, I was in the battle, I was holding up my hands, Joshua's fighting, but the Lord showed up. But it was because of God that we, won that, that we won that war. It was only because of him. The Lord is my banner. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shows up and raises a standard against him. In every circumstance, in every trial, in anything that you're going through, God is there. You must remember, God is always there. He is always with you. In every trial, in every circumstance, in every hurt, in every pain, God is with you. He is always with you. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear anything for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. Not only am I with you, I'm your God. You don't need to fear because I am right beside you, walking with you, but you also don't need to fear because I am your God. And because I am your God, there is no other God besides me. So you don't need to fear because I'm your God. Others may have other gods and they're iffy as to whether or not he's gonna show up, but you need to understand that you don't fear because I am your God. There is no other God before me. He says, I will strengthen you. Be assured, I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice, a hand of power, a hand of victory, a hand of salvation. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble in dread before them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature be free from the love of money. Shun greed. Be financially ethical. Being content with what you have. For he has said, I will never. Say never. I will never, not once, not ever, never, under any circumstance, desert you. 
nor give up on you or leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Never. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. That actually means thou shalt condemn. That means that if, if you know that somebody is speaking against you or saying things that aren't true, you can, you can condemn those words. You can cast them down. But it also means that you would conduct yourself in a right way that those words would be proved false. That's not what I'm preaching about, so we'll move on. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me. This is the heritage. He's saying no weapon that is formed. That word formed actually means fashioned purposely for you. That a weapon was purposely fashioned to take you out. Seems scary, right? But the Father says this promise, no, no weapon, no weapon skillfully designed, not anything that was designed to take you out will prosper. Why? He says, because this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That means this is your inheritance. That sons and daughters, you have been adopted. So that makes you sons and daughters of God. And he says, my inheritance to you is that anytime the enemy tries to construct any kind of thing, no matter if it's perfectly skilled, no matter if it's perfect to take you out, it will not prosper because this is your inheritance. And then in Genesis 50, 20, it says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. He's saying, even in the middle of a circumstance, no matter what, God will turn it around for good. So it's about how you see it, though. When you're walking in the middle of of a circumstance, when you're walking in the middle of a trial, when, when something hard has come your way, you can focus on the bad or you can focus on the good. What's the good? That God's going to turn this around for His glory. That God will turn this around. It's about, your, it's about your perspective. What are you focusing on? That I'm in the middle of this and yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, it's hell, but God will turn this around for good. I know that he is walking with me. Psalms 23 says that, yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. That, that you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Those times will come, but I will not fear. He says, I will not fear. Why? Because fear paralyzes. So while you're walking in the middle of those circumstances, if you don't, if you take your eyes off of God, if you don't keep walking through, if you hold on to fear in the middle of it and focus on the bad, you get paralyzed in the middle of it and you don't go through. He says, though I walk through, 
I need to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not stay stuck there. For he is with me, leading me, guiding me. John 16, 33 says this, I have told you these things that in me you would have perfect peace. In the world you will have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy, for I have overcome the world. Circumstances, trials will come. That's what the word says. Verse Peter 4:12 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you? In the message it says it like this, Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusions that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. That's how God turns it around for good. That you're going to go, I, there's so many times I've gone through things and yeah, I didn't like the experience and it did not come from God. In your circumstances and trials, he does, not, he does not bring them about. He uses them for good. So to be clear about that. But there are times that I've gone through things in my life, hard times, but I look back and I'm thankful that I went through them because had I not gone through them, I wouldn't be who I am today. That's how he turned it around for good. What the enemy meant for evil, God used for good. <clears throat> With glory just around the corner. I love that. God is never the source of tribulation, but mostly he sustains you and delivers you. He sustains you while you're going through it, and he delivers you from it. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. You'll go through the fire, but you will not be burned. You won't be overwhelmed. He says, you'll walk through it. So don't lose your faith in the fire. Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, <clears throat> they won't bow down and worship, and the king becomes very mad. And he says, you're not going to bow down, you're not going to worship. And they said, no, we're not. And so he says, you know what I'm going to do? Because I'm going to throw you in the fire. I'm, I'm going to light that fire seven times hotter than it's ever been, and I'm going to throw you in to make sure that you get burned. But they obeyed God. They, they wouldn't. They just, it went against what they believed. They wouldn't do it. So they were bound, and they were thrown in the fire, clothes and all. And the Bible says that the, the men that threw them in the fire, they died because of the heat. Just being near it, they died. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in the fire, and I want to go to verse something. Verse 24. 
So the king stands up and he says, did we not cast three men into the fire? They answered and said, oh yes, king. But I see, and the king answers back and says, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. How is it? Well, did, did, I, did we not put, did we not bind those men before we put, yes, yes, king, we bound them. Was there not three? Yes, yes, king. And then it says, the Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace and he declared Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps and the prefects, the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair on their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar, answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any other God except their own. He says these servants trusted God. They, they knew that they were going to go to, through the fire. There was going to come a time that circumstances were going to come, trials were going to come, they were going to have to go through the fire. But they trusted God in the middle of it, and God showed up. And they were unharmed. Not one part of them touched. But they had to go through the fire. Why? Let's see what happens. So Nebuchadnezzar says, therefore, I will make a decree. Any people, nation or language, he's covering all the bases, anyone that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. Listen to this. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. There is no other God able to rescue in this way. We have to fix our focus. We have to change our perspective. How we're looking at things. Oh, this happened to me. How could this have happened to me? Oh, what good is going to come out of this? I don't need to worry. God's going to show up. I'm going to walk through this. I'm going to walk through this and I'm going to walk through, I'm going to come out the other side changed. Fix our focus. Romans 11, 25, 29, 20, blah, 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 blah. Romans 11, 25 to 29 says, I want to lay all this out on the table as clearly as I can, friends. This is complicated. It would be easy to uh, misinterpret what's going on and arrogantly assume that your royalty and that, 
and they're just rabble out on their ears for good but that's not it at all this hardness on the part of inside Israel toward God is temporary in effect is to open its effect is to open things up to all the outsiders so that we end up with a full house before it's all over there will be a complete Israel and I'm just going to skip down from your point of view as you hear and embrace the good news of the message it looks like the Jews are God's enemies but looked at it from the long-range perspective of God's overall purpose they remain God's oldest friends God's gift and God's call are under full warranty never cancelled never rescinded he's saying it, it may look like something different right now but there is a long-range perspective that we need to take we, we need to look at because God has a plan Psalms 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills of Jerusalem from where my help comes from. He says, I am switching my focus. I am changing my perspective. I may see something different, but I'm going to look to the hills from where my help comes from. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He will keep you he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will guide, will guard your going out and your coming in. Everything that you do from this time forth and forever. Colossians 3, 1-2. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Boom. <laughs> Mic drop. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground. Absorbed with the things right in front of you, look up. Change your perspective, look up. And be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Look up. Change your focus. Don't keep your eyes down to the ground looking about what's happening. He says, look up. You think so much is happening down here? Look up. That's where the action is. Christ is on the move. He's doing something. They're doing something. Change your perspective because it looks way better up here. Look up. And trust him. Psalms 1830 says, This God, his way is perfect. It's perfect. His plan, his purpose, it's perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Who take refuge. I can hold an umbrella in the rain like this. It would be my refuge from the rain if I'd go to it, if I'd go under it. But so many times when problems come, when circumstances arrive, arise, we begin to mistrust God. 
blame him for it. Where were you? Why am I going through this? And we begin to separate ourselves, pull ourselves away from him. And no, 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 I'm your refuge. When circumstances come, when trials come, when you're walking through the fire, I'm your refuge. Don't pull away, run to. It's trusting God even when we don't understand. I heard this a long time ago from uh, Joyce Meyer when, um, when I was studying this, this. It came back to memory. Why do we trust or why do we try to understand God? Why do we try to understand him? We don't try to understand technology, yet we trust it. We don't try to understand electricity, maybe some of you do, yet we trust it. I don't try to understand automobiles, some of you do, I get it, but, but I trust it. And we don't feel a need to understand it, to trust it, but yet we feel a need to understand God before we trust him. What we need to understand is that he will work it out for good. We may not like it right now, but we will like it eventually. That verse, glory is just around the corner. You may not like it right now. You may be walking through it and it is uncomfortable, but trust God knowing he works things out for your good. The only way that we really learn to trust God is to actually have a reason to trust him. It's easy to trust God when everything's great. It's easy to trust God when you have all the money, all the health, all the friends, all the wealth, your relationships are good. It's easy to trust him. But when things start to fall apart, that's where you really learn to trust him. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, we all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. You are not the only one going through it. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, the nature and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial, God has proved I'm sorry, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. When we trust God, it takes the pressure off of us. That we're walking around carrying these heavy burdens, trying to get through the mess, trying to do it on our own, knowing that if we would just trust him in the process. I trust you, God. I, I'm looking to you. I, I'm not even going to carry this load. I, it, I'm just going to keep my eyes on you. I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you that you are doing something in me and that I am going to get through the other side. I will not let fear hold me in the middle of this. I will not let worry stop me. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to fix my focus on you and just keep walking this out. I don't need to understand. All I need to know is that you are good and you are working things out for my good. Psalms 37.5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. 
Trust in him. And then he's going to act. Trusting God is a decision. Bible says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. We know this verse. And lean not to your own understanding. Trust means to confide. Confide means to entrust something for safekeeping. Entrust something for safekeeping. So entrust God with your heart. Entrust God with your life. Trust him enough that he's not going to break your heart. He will shake things that can be shaken, don't get me wrong. But it's all for your good, all of it. Trust him enough to know that he is planning good for you, that, that it's all for your good. I had a conversation with somebody this week and we were talking about a situation that she had go on in her life and she had experienced incredible hurt from somebody incredible hurt, betrayal of, of, of the deepest kind. And she was moving on with her life. She was good. There might have been some unforgiveness, maybe, but she was working through it. And then God started to reveal some things in her heart and said, I want you to pray for that person. And I'm putting words in her mouth. I don't think she wanted to. I'm pretty sure she wouldn't have. But she did it anyway. And she said it was hard. It was hard to pray for that person. Like, I would be okay just, you know, letting it work through it slowly, you know. Let God slowly bring, you know, healing to my heart. I just want him to heal me. But no, God was requiring something of her to heal her. He says, I'm going to need you to pray for this person because it's going to bring healing. So she begins to pray for this person that day. The next day, she goes to an event and that person's there. She had been assured that person was not going to be there. And that person was there. That person mocked her that day, mocked her, laughed at her. And she stayed. See, sometimes we don't understand what it is that God is doing. But she said, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it was, but I knew it was all ordained by God. I knew that he had me pray for her because the next day I was going to see her. And whether I had to have my heart right so that I would be strong enough, or maybe he knew I was going to show, she was going to show up so that I, had to, that I was going to have my heart healed even more because she was going to be there. I don't know. I don't need to understand. I need to obey. That everything that God orchestrates and ordains is to get us 
to a better place. And even in the fire, even in the trials, even in the circumstances, whatever it is, God's going to show up. He's going to walk you through it and he's going to get you to a better place. But he will use those circumstances to change your life. All for good. Always good. I think that in trusting him, what you need to know, and you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway, is there is no evil in him. There is no bad in him. There is no disgust that he has for you in him. There is nothing in him that isn't good. He is only good. So if he is only good, only good comes from him. Nothing else can come from him. So when you are walking through trials and fire and water and whatever it is, circumstances, if you would put your trust in him, only good will come from it. Only good. So no matter how hard it is, you need to know only good is coming out of this because my father is good. There is nothing else in him but good. Evil, bad cannot come from him. So this situation, good only comes from it. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart whatever you're going through, whatever it is. Don't fear the future. No amount of worrying about it is going to help you stop fearing the future. Trials will come. Good times will come though too. And no amount of fear is going to help you at all. Not any. But trusting in the Lord and letting him lead you through every time, every hard time, every good time. Fixing your focus. Look up. Look up. Surround yourself with what he's doing. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we worship you. You are good. You are only good. I just break off the spirit of fear. I break off generational fear. <clears throat> I break it off their lives in the name of Jesus. Fear that has been passed down. Fear of the future. Fear of harm. Fear of, um, of relationships. Fear of speaking. 
fear of lack, fear of loss. I break it off their lives in the name of Jesus. I break the spirit of fear off of their lives and the control that it has had for years. I break it off your life in the name of Jesus. I declare it will have no more control over you. You will walk through. You will walk over. In the name of Jesus. I declare these people victorious. The head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. Blessed when they go in and blessed when they go out. Blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed are their children and their children's children's children. I declare a blessing over them. Blessed in their finances, blessed in their relationships, blessed in their household, blessed in their jobs. Blessed in the city. And I just speak peace. I speak an ease over them in the name of Jesus. That those that have been up at night, those that have been tossing and turning, I just speak to that in the name of Jesus and I speak peace. God, you are our banner. Whom shall we fear? You are our deliverer. In whom shall I fear? You go before us. You make a way for us. I will not fear. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.